been uh, on vacation, actually, for a couple weeks now and in, uh, in Arizona. And in Arizona, there's sunshine. <laughs> and there's, a matter of fact, got to wear shorts, got to go swimming. Yeah. And got to go on lots of runs outside and just beautiful there, just warm, warm sun. And I kept reading about the snow, snowpocalypse that was back waiting for me in Spokane. And then I would just open up my book and read by the pool. It was just wonderful. <laughs> now, are any of you just a little bit bitter towards that? Just a, a, just a little bit? Yeah. And I understand. That's why we're going to talk more about grace today, because you need, <laughs> you need to keep growing in grace, And because uh, I need grace. You need to give me grace. So we're going to talk about grace, and I love the fact uh, that I was able to watch the last two uh, church services and be a, feel a part of that, the worship time and those great messages that Nate was giving on grace, and thank you to the tech team and the camera people and the people that run our slides and sound and all of that. They don't get enough thanks. Let's just tell them thank you for that. It's so cool to be somewhere else, lounging by a pool, feeling like you're a part of the church, you know? It's just so awesome. Well, grace is God giving me what I need, not what I deserve. It's giving us what we need, not necessarily what we deserve. And the Bible teaches us that God is a God of grace. Matter of fact, Isaiah 30 says, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. That tells us that it's in his heart, that he is a God of grace, that that grace is unending, that grace is unconditional, it's unlimited, and it's available. And today I want to talk about grace, a different aspect of God's grace called sustaining grace. And sustaining grace is what keeps us growing in our walk with God. It's what keeps us going when life gets difficult. Sustaining grace keeps God's forgiveness flowing in our life. Sustaining grace is the work of the Holy Spirit living in you, bringing about godly character in you, bringing us into increasing levels of freedom in our life. It's that grace that we learn to breathe in every single day of our life. We see God's grace at the point of salvation when we recognize what Jesus on the cross did for us. He paid the penalty of my sin, and in that place, he poured out grace to cover and wipe away our sin. But God's grace doesn't end there. It continues throughout our Christian life, and we need to learn how to depend on it and lean into it every single day. We see God's grace unleashed from cover to cover in the Scripture, from Old to New Testament. And we're going to look this morning at a story, an encounter that Jesus had with a person who was struggling in their life. And that's often where grace meets us in this place where we're struggling. And this particular person was a woman who was struggling in her relationships. She was struggling to find love, struggling maybe even with a uh, trying to find love through sexual fulfillment, through partying on the weekend, through things that maybe any one of us 
would experiment with as well. Because within us is this void. Within us, there's this sense of discontent, this sense of boredom. And if, if God doesn't fill that place, that place of void, that place of need, then we'll turn to anything that promises to do so. And that's exactly what was happening here. John chapter 4, if you have a Bible, open it. If you want to use your app, open that up. And what we see is Jesus is traveling from Judea to Galilee. And he's got to make a decision because Judea is in the south and Galilee's in the north and Samaria is sandwiched in between. And he has to make a decision if he's going to go through or around Samaria. The normal decision, it's already been made for you, as a, as a Jew living in that day was to go around Samaria, take the extra couple days of travel time and walk around it because the Samaritans were disrespected. They were, they were hated and they hated the Jews. And there was this animosity that had built up for hundreds of years between them. And the Jews looked at them as religious heretics, as mongrels, as people who didn't know God. And the Samaritans were hated and despised. And so the most normal and natural thing for a good Jewish man to do was to just bypass the whole lot of them. And yet the scripture tells us in verse 4 of chapter 4 that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. He was on his way from Judea, departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. Nobody had to, but Jesus had to because he was on a mission of grace. So he came to the town of Samaria, in verse 5, called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. And it was about the sixth hour. Jesus had this long day's journey. It's hot. He's tired. He's weary from this journey. He sits down by the well, and it's about the sixth hour, which is noontime. It's the middle of the afternoon. His disciples decide to go off and get some food. And so Jesus is left there alone. And verse 7 tells us that a woman from Samaria came to draw water. All the other women had already come in the morning because that was the normal time to go and get water in the middle, not in the middle of the day but in the cool of the morning. And so the well was like a coffee shop or a laundromat. It was the place where women would gather and fellowship and talk and do it while it was cool, and then they would go back to their home. But this woman happens to be there in the heat of the day alone because she was hated. She was rejected. And if you're rejected by the Samaritans, they are the most rejected of all people. I mean, you are out there. You're alone. And so here she is in that place. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. See, Jesus is alone in Samaria, the most unlikely place for him to go. And now he's in this situation where there's this woman. And the most normal thing would be to keep to yourself because, number one, she's a woman. That might look bad. Number two, she's a Samaritan. And number three, he would be alone in that place. 
And she's wondering, why are you talking to me? Why would you give a rip about me? And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Have you ever been really thirsty in that place on, on a hot day and you need water? Jesus is using this living water metaphor for salvation. And, it, and that same metaphor is used throughout the scripture. Living water talks about this relationship that God wants to give to you and to me. That God comes into our life and he gives us cleansing. He brings healing. He brings satisfaction. He gives us new energy and new strength in our lives. And so he talks about this issue of living water, springs of living water. And Jesus made it clear that all you have to do is ask. If you would have just asked, God has so many things he wants to do in your life. So many things he wants to give you. Grace upon grace that he wants to pour into your life. If we'll just ask. Verse 11 says, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. She's not connecting the dots quite yet. Where are you going to get this water? We have this 200-foot deep well. I mean, are you greater than Jacob? And Jesus answered in verse 13, Everyone who drinks of this water, Jacob's well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. We can turn to anything that promises a quick delivery to take away the pain, to help us with the boredom, to fill kind of the thirst for excitement in our life or, or to deal with the discontentment. And we can turn to all kinds of different things in our life. We can turn to work, success, belongings, money, owning cool things, trying to get ahead, or just through sexual encounters or through partying on the weekend. We can turn to any number of things, but we're going to thirst again and again and again. It'll never be enough. And Jesus said that I have something. I have something that will well up within you to eternal life. That's the sustaining grace of God. See, God not only wants to give you saving grace, he wants us to enter into a relationship with him and embrace the forgiveness that comes from the cross, but he also wants to fill you with the power of his Holy Spirit so that you and I can live in him every single day. And have that grace of God operating within us, helping us to become the people that God wants us to be. The woman said to him in verse 15, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She says, if you have something I need, if you have this living water you're talking about, if I don't have to live my life the way I've been living it and just living in this dead-end relationship after relationship and going to this dead-end job and, and being hopeless in my life, rejected by people, give me this water. And Jesus said, go call your husband and come here. 
And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you have is now not your husband. What you have said is true. Jesus speaks truth into her life. I mean, isn't it easy to live in denial? Isn't it easy to live kind of minimizing the problems in our life, the issues of our life, the sins of our past? And we just want it to go away. We want it to be buried. We don't want to have to deal with it. And Jesus brings grace. And grace only makes sense in light of truth. And so he brings truth into this person's life. And he helps her face her truth. He helps her face it. He didn't bring it up in order to shame her or guilt her. He brought it up so that she could be freed from the shame and from the guilt. And I love that about God. He is filled. Jesus, the scripture tells us that he's full of grace and truth. And those things go together. Grace doesn't ignore our sin. It helps us face it. And it helps us be honest with ourselves so that we can be set free. Well, the story is awesome because it ends in this place where she is filled with God's grace. She is blown away by this encounter with Jesus, and she goes back to her, to her I'm not even sure if you could call them friends because she's been rejected, but she goes back into her village and goes back to the very people that knew what kind of woman she was, and she begins to tell them about Jesus. Come and meet a guy that told me everything, that he knew everything I have ever done. And she left it says in verse 28, the woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I've done. The Samaritan woman had this profound encounter with amazing grace. Have you had that encounter? Have you had an encounter with grace? Grace is not just something that happens when you come to know Christ. It does happen there. But grace is is a power that keeps working in your life, freeing you from sin, helping you to live outside of denial, helping you live in truth, and helping us become the people that God has called us to be. She no longer had to live in self-deception. She no longer had to hide in shame from her past. She was able to deal with it because God had poured out a new future for her, sustaining grace. And God wants you to know this morning that no matter how great your sin or how great your shame, God's grace is greater still. No matter how big your problems, God's grace is bigger. Life has a way of leaving us really thirsty. I mean, we all have unmet expectations and dreams that went south on us. We wish we could have a redo in different areas of our life. And yet God's answer is sustaining grace. Grace that leverages our past towards a better future. Grace that allows us to be honest with our past but not defined by it. Grace means that we embrace truth. But we also live in this place where we can constantly go to God's throne of grace. Hebrews says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What do you need right now? 
What's that sense of need in your life? Maybe it's for the pain to go away or for people to treat you better. Maybe it's for some provision that you just feel you need. God invites you to come to his throne of grace. Come to that place where what you'll encounter is not a God ready to harm you, but a God that wants to free you. Go to his throne of grace. God's sustaining grace, helping us become the people that we really want to be, but more importantly, that God wants us to be. Sustaining grace that molds you and shapes you, sanctifies you. God loves you just the way you are. And yet he loves you too much to leave you that way. So the sustaining grace of God will help work in you to keep changing you. God's sustaining grace helps us keep growing. But it also helps us keep going when life gets really hard. And it does get hard, doesn't it? I mean, we go through these really hard seasons in our life. And those seasons can last a really long time. I was talking to my brother, Matt, and he was reminding me of a time where we went together to the Grand Canyon, and uh, we were hiking the canyon. We had actually gone up to Wyoming in the summer. We were both like 16 and 17. He's a year older than me. And we were uh, done with the hiking and the backpacking in Wyoming, and we're traveling back to Arizona, and we stopped at the North Rim. And the North Rim is a rim that most people haven't gone to. Most people go to the South Rim, better views and all of that. But the North Rim is about 8,000 uh, feet high, and uh, it's a 15-mile hike down to the bottom. And we decided we're just going to hike from the North Rim to the South Rim in one day. And so we just, that's what 17-year-olds do. I mean, we're just, we're strong, we're smart. And, and so we told our crew to go pick us up on the South Rim later that day. And so we took off on the North Rim, one liter of water and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And it's 15 miles straight downhill, switchback after switchback, 6,000 feet of elevation. And your knees are killing you by the time you get down to the bottom. It's 120 degrees at the bottom of the canyon at the dead uh, of summer. And we had blown through our water really fast. We're down at the bottom. Thankfully, we're able to fill it up, get that leader full again. We look up at the canyon wall on the south rim, and it's like 5,000 feet of climbing over 10 miles, more to go. And we're thinking, I don't know if we can do this. But we took off, and we ran out of water just within a few hours. And we're about three or four or five miles from the top, and we were just dying of thirst. And we were exhausted in our, in our bodies. And we just, we came across this little trickle of water. And there was a sign. It said, do not drink. <laughs> but because, because we're invincible, we decided to drink the water. It wasn't like an hour later, I'm vomiting my guts out on the trail. And I'm just dry heaving. My head is pounding with dehydration, headache. And I just wanted to lay down and die on the trail. And my brother, you know, people are passing us. They're just stepping over me. You know, they don't. It's every man for himself at that point. You're an idiot. You forgot water. Too bad. Hope you make it. My brother, though, he kind of kneels down beside me and he goes, bro, I'm not going to leave you here. I'm going to help you get out of the canyon because the snakes come out at night. 
he picks me up and he just starts hauling me out of the canyon the last several miles straight uphill through these switchbacks. And I mean, it was slow going because every, every uh, 100 yards, I'd have to pull over to the side and just dry heave. And he just kind of hauled me out of that canyon. It took us 19 hours before we got from rim to rim and we made it out. Some of you maybe find yourself in a deep canyon. You're in a place where you just want to give up. You're in a place where, you know, maybe people have rejected you. A dark place, a place where you're in pain, a place where it just seems hopeless. And you're wondering, am I going to make it? And God wants you to know something that the prophet Isaiah said. God says this, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That is sustaining grace. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, confessed he had a problem where he was in constant pain, a thorn in the flesh. Theologians aren't sure what exactly he meant by that. Maybe it was a physical ailment. Maybe it was a, uh, a relationship in his life that was like a thorn in the flesh. Maybe it was a whole people group of persecution towards him. We're not exactly sure, but it's this, it's this pain, this suffering, this challenge that was in his life. And he kept praying for God to remove it. And God didn't remove it. And yet God said this to him. He said, my grace is all you need. For my power is strongest when you are weak. God says, I'm going to give you grace, sustaining grace to help you keep going. And when you have a problem or a crisis or you're going through a stress or a tension and you pray and you ask God to remove something out of your life, one of two things is going to happen. One, God may remove that pain. God might heal that sickness. God might do something amazing in that moment to free you from something but he also might not. He might leave that pain in your life or you in that situation and instead just pour in sustaining grace into your life to help you handle it, to help you make it through, to help you keep going and keep growing. See, we'd never learn anything if every time we prayed a problem went away. We learn things through our pain. C.S. Lewis said it this way, God whispers to us in our pleasure. God speaks to our conscience. God shouts to us in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God uses pain to get our attention. God uses pain to develop character within us. God uses pain to help us grow in compassion towards other people. God gives us sustaining grace. Some of you are saying that sounds good, sort of. How do I get that grace? I'd love to walk out of this place with a clean and clear conscience. I'd love to have the ability to kind of break out of some of the addictions and the things that have plagued my life. I'd love to be able to have the grace to forgive that person that I'm struggling to forgive, even though I've mouthed the words several times. 
How do I get God's grace in my life? Well, I have great news for you. There's one very simple thing that the Bible teaches us about getting God's grace, and it's found in James chapter 4, verse 6. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humility. Humility is the key to receiving God's grace. It's just being honest. Honest with ourselves, honest with our sin, honest that I can't make it through this life without God, honest with the fact that I've tried over and over and over to break out of my addictions and I haven't been able to do it. I am not a self-made man. I do need God. I do need others. Honest, humble. And God says, I'll just pour in grace to your life if you'll just get humble. Like the woman at the well, we all have sins. We all have mistakes. We all have problems. We all have regrets. We all have a history in our life. But it takes grace and honesty and humility. I mean, it took humility for me, honesty for me to admit that I had a pornography problem and for God to heal me from that. It's been several years, lots of years now. But it took grace for God to pour that into my life, and it takes humility to admit, gosh, I have, a, I have a lying issue. I constantly was a liar in my life. And until I admitted that to God and invited other people into that problem in my life, I was never going to receive the grace and the healing that I needed. It's God's grace he wants to pour in in the midst of our humility, in the midst of our honesty. I still am growing, growing in character, growing in, growing in various areas that I just need God's grace in me. So many times I want to give up. So many times I just want to just go, I can't do this anymore. I don't measure up. But God just keeps pouring in his sustaining grace into my life. Grace has been a powerful thing in my life. He wants you to know that power, the power that's in grace. Grace is more powerful than legalism. Grace is more powerful than fear of, of, of uh, judgment. Grace is powerful if we'll tap into it, if we'll understand it, that it's in the midst of our humility, in the midst of our honesty, that we invite God's grace. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Where is it in your life? You just need to get honest with God, honest with your past, honest with your present, honest with what's been done to you, but also honest with what you've done to others. See, we all fall short of the glory of God, and we all need his grace. So I just want to invite us this morning to just be honest, to be humble, to invite God's sustaining grace into our life, to bubble up like a wellspring from within and that we breathe it every day. We live by it. We don't live by rules and regulations. We don't live by rituals. We don't live by religion. We live by a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in encounter with his grace that sustains us and keeps going throughout our entire Christian life. So where is it that you need his grace? What relationship are you tempted to just give up on? What area of pain is in your life that you've prayed over and over for it to go away and it hasn't yet? And you need sustaining grace. Maybe it's in your family or with one of your children 
or with a parent. God wants us to be people of grace that experience it, that living, flowing, breathing thing of grace. So I want to pray for us right now. Would you bow your head with me? Let's respond to this. Let's not leave here unchanged. God wants his grace to impact our life. So he brings truth. He brings truth, and it's in the light of that truth that grace makes so much sense and has so much power. Let me read this passage to, to you as we kind of prepare our hearts to pray. Jesus said it this way. He said, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Lord, we just come right now and we want to be people who are humble. Lord, that we don't lean just on our own understanding and we don't just trust in our own strength, our own energy, our own creativity, or even our own morality, God. We just turn to you. We just say, God, I need you. Fill me. Forgive me. Strengthen me today. Maybe you're here this morning and you just need to enter into this relationship with Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son who poured out grace at the cross for you, saving grace. And I invite you to just pray this prayer along with me. Very simple, just in your own words. God, I ask that you forgive me. Not because I deserve it, but because of your grace. Please wipe the slate of my life clean. Give me a clear conscience. Set me free from regret, the burden of guilt I've been carrying. I receive forgiveness. I receive grace right now in this moment. Well up within me like a spring of living water. Just in this quiet moment, if that was you, would you just lift your hand and just to let me know, Mike, I prayed that prayer with you. Amen. Good, good, good. Good for you. God, thank you for each one of these that are just saying, I want to enter into that journey of grace. I want to know a God like that. I want Jesus Christ to lead the way in my life. Lord, there are others of us, God, that are just at the end of our rope. We're just in that place, Lord, where we're so exhausted. Exhausted with trying to live out performance Christianity. Exhausted from trials or struggles in our life. Exhausted in our soul. And Lord, you promise a sustaining grace. And I pray right now, Lord, would you pour that out on us today? Your grace to reshape us, to mold us to make us into the people you want us to be. Lord, forgive us for trying to live in our own strength. Forgive me, God, for trying to just bring about change in my own life. And help me, God, to quit posturing 
quit pretending. Help me move into humility where I can receive this constant supply of grace in my life. There's others that are just struggling to forgive somebody in your past. You've prayed it over and over and it just, the grace hasn't happened for you yet. Would you pray this this morning? God just wants to give you something, a gift of his grace. Lord, I'm asking right now for that sustaining grace, that grace to forgive. Lord, you have forgiven me so much. Lord, help me now forgive those that have hurt me, those that have sinned against me, those that have defiled me. Lord, I offer them grace. I offer them forgiveness. And I only can do it in the power of your spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We love you. We worship you. And we just want to live and walk and breathe the grace of God every moment of every day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for that wonderful word. We all need that living water, don't we, to give us grace each and every day. And I just want to ask if you're someone in here that that you had responded to uh, that message this morning you raised your hand or maybe you responded in a different way in your own way uh, I just want to invite you to text the word yes to this number up here so that we can be connected with you that we want to be a part of this journey that you just found yourself on that as you walk into this new life that God is going to bring you down we want to be a part of that we not and we want to celebrate with you because that is the best decision you could have ever made, that there's literally angels rejoicing in heaven because you had said yes this morning. So if you would do that, one of our pastors will be in contact with you so we can be on this spiritual journey alongside of you. And if you're new here, or maybe you just haven't been able to get connected yet, again, I would love to meet you right underneath this monitor here. It is a quick First Connect meeting. Um, or maybe if you're just in need of some prayer, we'll have some people over here, and they'd love to agree with you in prayer. But let's go with that living water this week that we can live with God's sustaining grace as we go to our work, school, family. Um, go be uh, in God's grace this week. God bless you, and we'll see you next Sunday.